C.S. Lewis said, if you think of this world as a place simply intended for our happiness, find it quite intolerable. Think of it as a place for training and correction, and it's not so bad. Hmm. And I would agree. Good quote. And welcome in. This is Religionless Christianity. I'm your host, Spencer, and this is my beautiful wife, Nikki. Hello. Maybe the first episode ever with a headband. Would so, you not point out what I'm wearing? something. <laughs> um, but thank you for joining us. This is uh, the show every week we do our best to kind of navigate the world around us, the news of the week as best we can and help Christians, you know, try to decipher it and live a life that's pleasing to God through it all. So that's our goal here. Mm-hmm. Hey, guys allow us to uh, interrupt our own podcast here, but we've already finished our recording for the episode. And then we saw the news um, and we didn't want to miss this opportunity. So I'm sure you've seen it, but the Supreme Court has overturned Roe versus Wade. And we just wanted to, um, we don't want to let this episode go by without highlighting how monumental that is and giving God the glory for that. No, it's such good news. Like I couldn't stop smiling when I heard it. Wow. And I just immediately went and told the kids because they've been every night our kids pray about it. And so they were really excited to hear that. Yeah. And we just want to remind you the fight isn't over. The fight's just begun. So, you know, get on the phone, get on Twitter, get on um, email, whatever it is to reach out to your representatives, your governors, state and uh, local reps and Tell them to keep fighting, not to rest on our laurels or assume the battle's been won. Um, These innocent children deserve to have us defending them. And um, this is just great news. So we just wanted to highlight that. All right, back to the episode. And today um, we are going to be looking at the news as always. And then kind of discuss why my post got removed on Facebook. Um, Obviously not a new thing for us or for most people, but I thought this post in particular would be a nice one to discuss on here. Um, And not even necessarily the fact that Facebook removed it. Um, You know, we understand that when you're on Facebook or YouTube or Twitter, you know, you're kind of dancing in the devil's backyard there. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's more just the content of the message that we want to discuss. So before we get to all of that, is there anything you would like to say? Um... Think there was any prayer requests? Do you have any? Um, I have. I think I mentioned a few weeks ago that I was applying to seminary. I have applied. I am waiting on the last few documents to go through, and I hope I'm accepted. So pray that I'd be accepted, because I yeah. don't know if my fragile ego can take being denied. Just kidding. <laughs> um, so just pray for me there. I'd appreciate that. And um, otherwise, life is good. Kids are healthy and happy. Our friends mm-hmm. are doing well. It's the yeah. final Saturday in our uh, month-long celebration of depravity and sin. So that's good news. Um, <laughs> and Fourth uh, of July, the country's still standing, <laughs> still standing. So yeah, I we have some good news to talk about anyway. Yeah. So. Um, As always, I do want to just give a quick plug to Cardinal Contingency Solutions. Again, in this world, um, when we deal with cameras in your face, exploiters, and all these sorts of things, um, having proper messaging, having good counter-exploitation awareness, I guess I would call it, 
is vital um, so that you're not being taken advantage of. And Cardinal, they are the ones to give you that training, give you that um, experience so that you can uh, just, I guess, feel confident going out in the world. And not just you, but you know, maybe you're a business owner, or maybe you're a pastor and you have employees, but you can feel confident that they can go into the world and stick on message um, and not drag you into something that now you got to, you know, unravel because they weren't prepared for what this world and what Satan's throwing at us. So um, definitely go give Cardinal a look. They'll be in the notes as always. And then, of course, we are proud members of the Christian podcast community, a uh, constantly growing and thriving community of Christian podcasters from all sorts. all different denominations, um, so long as they're Christian, uh, you know, and they're not heretics, they're in, you know, but they're talking about everything from money to movies to theology um, and everything in between. So, yeah, I really just, like them just getting to know all the other podcasters and they get on each other's show. And it really yeah. is like a good close knit community. Like, you listen to one podcast and have someone else on that you recognize from one of the other podcasts. And and we've been slacking pretty good about reaching out to these guys. So maybe we'll start doing that here soon. Maybe start reaching out to some of them and getting them on the show and just so mm-hmm. you guys can get to know them and maybe their audience can get to know us. And Because there's a lot of good, smart, thoughtful people on there. They're always discussing something interesting. Yeah. You know, whether it's, really it's just good. quick daily, you know, devotionals. We're not the only ones that do daily devotionals or if it's more longer in-depth, you know, Christian yeah. doctrine type discussions. I'll listen to the longer one. that's like, oh, two, you know, it's like one of our episodes, but yeah. it'll take me like five days to listen to it, but I want to continue it. I'll just like drive to the gym and back. So I'll get like 10, 15 minute snippets here and there as I'm driving. So can't listen at home much. It's it's too much going on at home, but yeah, I try to get through. (laughs) Yeah. So go check them out. You know, you can find, you can just search Christian podcast community on any uh, major podcasting platform that you're on, Apple podcasts, Spotify, any of them, Google podcasts, whatever. And you can just subscribe to the entire channel and you'll get all, you know, Mm -hmm. 60 podcasters coming in um, or you know you can find the ones you like subscribe to them individually mm-hmm. whatever you know you prefer so all right are we ready um yes it's not so bad all right it's not so bad you know what In fact it's not so bad i'm gonna skip the horror music this week yeah just prepare yourself we're gonna go into the news and it's not too bad now we do have some bad but not all bad so yeah Um, The first thing is we have a lot of news stories that we're going to try to cover here without making this an eight-hour episode. Um, We actually started going through the news, and Nikki was like, I don't even want to talk about our Bible topic. I just want to talk about the news stories. I'm like, I know. They're pretty good ones. (laughs) So um, we're going to do our best to discuss these. If we have to, we'll come back and talk about them again. Oh, and also, before we get into the news, I forgot. We do have one surprise bonus episode of the rise and fall of Mars Hill has come out recently. So if you've listened to our previous uh, reviews of those, we're going to be reviewing this one as well, just to say we did. Um, that's our Christian Do you know duty. what it's on? I do. Exactly. I do. Say, just to let me it know right now. <laughs> um, no, it's just more like, you know, the, the aftermath and things are still in shambles. Kind of. A, nothing a new. No, nah, nothing really new, but. 
We're going to discuss it. We've done the other, I think it's I know, 14 gosh. or something at this point. So we'll I round we were done. out. Isn't that funny? I thought we were done. Devil keeps trying. Nah, I'm just kidding. We're not going to call them Just stay down. <laughs> um, but they're, uh, yeah, it's not our favorite podcast. So, um, but we'll do that. But anyways, we do have a lot of stories to get through. Uh, so I do just want to mention up front really quickly that uh, more information continues to roll out about the Uvalde Police Department. You guys have been tracking that for a while, the school shooting, and none of it's good. So I would just say, you know, if you're following that, uh, I would just pray that, you know, proper justice gets doled out for those who deserve it uh, because things are looking pretty ugly there. and. Um, yeah, just pray that that gets sorted out and um, brought to proper justice where justice is needed. And then also, um, for all the sports fans out there, the Golden State Warriors won the NBA Finals. If you care at all about that, Nikki doesn't. And I know most people probably don't, but I did get to watch it with my boys this year. I think we watched every game together. And yeah, that was fun. You know, I don't get a lot of time to sit around and watch sports with my boys. They don't care a ton. They don't love sports like I did or I do, but um, that was still fun. And I'm a big Steph Curry fan as far as basketball player goes. So that was cool. Um, <laughs> so anyways, um, the first three stories that we have here, I'm just going to kind of lump them in together for kind of mm -hmm. one big story. Um, but these do kind of speak to the fact that there is some level of sanity kind of breaking out across the country. Um, and it's hopeful at the very least. So we'll <laughs> see how it all shakes out in the end, but it is hopeful. Um, so the first one, we've seen a couple governing bodies start to ban transgendered athletes and, um, the first, uh, the United Methodist church, whatever reason got on board and was banning transgender athletes, um, which is good news. And then in a bigger, mm -hmm. um, news story, FINA or FINA, I'm not sure how you say it, but mm -hmm. the sort of swimming world's um governing body they banned transgender swimmers um although they did only ban them like it says right here mm -hmm. after the age of or before so if you transitioned before the age of 12 yeah before you puberty banned. yeah but if you transition after then you are banned according to fina so Gosh, the leah thomases yeah. of the world are banned from international sort of competition i think is what they're getting at, at least with that it's there. yeah it's going in the right direction it is but it does pose some threat and i've heard other people mention this and i thought it was a really good point um something for us to keep our i guess eyes and ears on and be praying about and you know prodding our politicians about but you know the thought of banning everybody before 12 and if this catches on into other sports you know swimming's a pretty small niche group of people but if this becomes something where maybe basketball starts banning and you know i don't know what other sports track and field and stuff that's a little bit bigger then the fear would be and again christians are not to be fearful people but i guess the thought would be if anybody was riding the fence about transitioning at a young age or puberty blockers they would potentially just do it in order to make sure that they could compete if they wanted to. Again, that might even be a microscopic mm. amount of people that would go that route, but it does leave right. that door open. So it's concerning, but this is good news. And I think when you tie that together with our third of the three stories, it's yeah. even better. It kind of cancels it out. 
Yeah. Yeah. So do you want to read this headline, honey? Yes. It's two Republican congressmen have introduced legislation that would allow adults who underwent body mutilating gender transition surgeries as minors to sue the doctors who operated on them. The bill also includes a 30-year statute of limitations. Yeah, and I love this bill. Mm -hmm. I think this is awesome. Um, You know, if you have what I would consider, you know, abusive parents and you want to allow, you know, a child. um, And honestly, you know, we've seen these clips, right? Like these parents... Um, it's not even necessarily just allowing a child in every case. In some cases, it's sort of prodding the child prodding to go on. down this transgenderism route, mm-hmm. um, this you know sort of immoral lifestyle that it leads them into. So if you're one of those sort of abusive parents and you can find you know, a butcher who's willing to do mm-hmm. this surgery on the kids, um, I think this is cool because what the bill says um, is that basically up to 30 years after the surgery is done. So if you get this Mm -hmm. surgery done as a minor Mm -hmm. and you have up to 30 years to essentially have regrets and Mm -hmm. problems from it, and you can come back and sue the doctor who did this to you. But you have to be, say if you got the surgery at like 13, you have to be at least 18 to sue is what I was thinking it was saying. You may be. um, That may be the case. Or you may have to be like a year removed or something from the surgery. Either way, though. I think this is good. And I think it's right. I think you should be able to sue them because as a Mm -hmm. child, you aren't able to make these decisions for yourself. Our nation understands Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. There's a reason why we have the age of consent and adulthood. Um, And we have this with other, um, other areas of life as well, right? Like in the area of rape and stuff like that, if you're a child, even if as a child, you've consented um, to sexual relations with an adult. Uh, I think when I grew up, they used to call that st- uh, statutory rape was a thing. Um, I think they might have changed up the terms of that now, but it's still essentially the same thing mm-hmm. because they judge that you as a child, you can't give consent to yeah. an adult. You're being taken advantage mm-hmm. of. So if it can work in that regard, and then we even see this with adults. I mean, this in large part is what the whole, not the whole, but a large portion of the Me Too movement was about. Mm-hmm. Women who consented to sex mm-hmm. with men and then came out later that, well, I felt, you know, there was a power dynamic mm-hmm. or there was some sort of dynamic where I couldn't say no or. Right. If they use it there, these so, kids can use it when they're grown. Yeah. Yeah. So there's no reason why you can say in the area of maybe sexual assault or some case, but then a kid who's 12, 13, 14, and his parents go, yeah, sure, cut your genitals off and take these puberty blockers and you ruin the rest of your life. Yeah, you should mm-hmm. be able to go back and go, you adults should have known better. So I'm a big, fa- or a big fan of this. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, I, really, that's really good news. And it says here, the proposed legislation defines gender trans, uh, transition procedure as the prescription or administration of puberty-blocking drugs for the purpose of changing the body of an individual so that it, so that it conforms to the subjective sense of identity of the individual. Um, the prescription or administration of cross-sex hormones or a surgery to change the body of an individual for the same purpose. Um, so again, whether you're going full-bore surgery and you're getting stuff cut off, or you're just giving them those puberty blockers and all that, mm-hmm. it can... Again, that stuff's all going to mess their body up. Just the puberty blockers alone, yeah. 
Yeah, and if you watch that documentary, What is a Woman, that we talked about, there's a, uh, a lady in there who had transitioned to being a man, and she was talking about you know, the cancer rates for these kids that were on puberty blockers is astronomical and suicide rates and all this. So um, I think there's some good news. You know, obviously, I don't think that this bill is going to necessarily get passed um, I, unless the Republicans get a majority in um, November, then it's probably a long shot. But I think this is good news. And my hope is that, you know, even if there's doctors who make the ethical sort of um, you know, they, on ethical grounds, they feel okay with the surgery, maybe just from the financial grounds, they'll go, look, man, I can do this surgery. And this guy can be perfectly happy for 20 years. And then for any reason, he can decide, yeah, I'm going to sue him. You know, maybe even it's just, I need money. Well, and what I'm if they drum came up. up with, what if the doctors come up with a waiver? Would that be able to use against this? Legislation? I don't think so, because I don't think a child would be able to sign that waiver. That's true. Because they don't have consent. They can't give that. So I'm in favor of this again. Not sure that it's going to pass, but I would keep this in your prayers. And yeah, you know, if you have the ear of a politician, even on the local level, you know, mayors, uh, state senators, state representatives, governors, this is the sort of stuff to be like, hey, man, we need to start looking in this direction, you know, because we've got to protect these kids from. Oh, man, this poisonous mm. ideology, satanic ideology. So, um, and then in finally, finally, a bit of good news coming from the Southern Baptist Convention. It's been a while, yeah. it seems like. A lot of bad news coming out of the SBC. But this week, they had some good news. And do you want to read that headline, honey? Yeah, Southern Baptists denounce prosperity gospel as false teaching in resolution at annual meeting. Yep, and then just Yay. read <laughs> those three paragraphs. Okay. Or no, just read uh, these. Uh, just read that one. Southern Baptists adopted a resolution Tuesday rejecting the prosperity gospel, calling it false teaching and distortion of scripture, particularly regarding Jesus Christ's atoning work on the cross. Yeah, and then found had one more paragraph I wanted to read here. Oh, do you want to read this one? Oh. The resolution resolves that God and God alone is our highest good and our supreme uh, treasure, not health, wealth, or the removal of sickness, and that our confidence is in our eternal inheritance purchased through the work of Christ and is guaranteed by the indwelling work of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, so I think this is good news, you know, taking a stand on... Um, something that we would agree is a false, false mm -hmm. gospel, um, sort of a false teaching in the church. And the thought that I had with this, and uh, they won't do it, I'm sure, but you know, they just released that list um, of the sort of accused um, sort of sexual abusers or whatever that happened with the, that report that came out mm -hmm. the last couple of weeks. They've just started releasing the list of names of those people that were accused. And I thought, you know, it would be interesting for them to sort of start releasing the names of these so-called false teachers of the prosperity gospel so that mm -hmm. their SBC members could be aware of whose churches and whose teachings to avoid. Yeah. So I thought I would ask you guys, if the Southern Baptist Convention started releasing names, who do you think would be on it? I think they should. I mean, it's in, I mean, in scripture, we see 
specific names being called out to warn the church, like this person, maybe they were with us and now they're against us and they're just seeking their own gain. And I don't know, all the ones who've just, who now, you know, the big prosperity preachers who live lavish lives by exploiting their own flock. And we're warned about this. And many of us, self-included, you know, getting in my walk, I've always prayed to really their covetousness, their false teachings, their prophecy, their things they say that the, the Lord has said. And I was just had some verses here. Um, so Second Peter chapter 2 says, but there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will, there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them and bring on them swift destruction. And many will follow their destructive ways because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. By covetousness, they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time, their judgment has not been idle and their destruction does not slumber. So I was thinking, well, there's nothing new under the sun. Like this is going on today and, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. It's just... No, it's nothing new. And, you know, this is obviously just one of the false doctrines being taught, really. And I don't think they're going to come out with names. Um, we already know but, who they are. They don't really need to come out with names because we don't know what that's. I don't know. It might just cause chaos. Like everybody knows. And it's not yeah. for, I don't know if it's for like, I mean, churches come out and say it, but it could pit churches against churches. I don't know. It could, I don't know. I was thinking about that, how it could cause. Well, like, and that could begin the whole case when they're like, okay, well, you're going to call out my prosperity gospel here, yeah. but you've got. Rick Warren over there is like the king of the SBC and he's got this seeker sensitive ordaining women. Like you guys aren't going to call that out. Like talk about a hypocrite, right? I mean, I think it'll cause a lot of drama. Like the world will look at us and like, look at all the churches and be like, wow, they're all fighting with one another. And I just don't think it would be wise really. Now that I'm like thinking about it more, like it might just, cause people to want nothing to do and they're probably right that's why they're yeah. leading the sbc and i'm leading this podcast so but i would be interested <laughs> to know who do you guys think would be on that list and who do you think uh even if there's maybe some that you think others would not recognize um, yeah because there's names out there that i don't i mean i haven't heard them all there's i haven't heard them all you just know the, the main the main ones which we've brought up before but right and it's usually the ones that people see all the time and not even, I'm not even talking about prosperity gospel, but you know, and I don't know if it's just because, because I don't listen to all of them, so I can't speak authoritatively on any of them necessarily, but you hear the same ones that get thrown out, you know, the, um, the TV pastors and mm-hmm. stuff, you know, obviously Osteen, I don't think he's prosperity gospel, but, um, you got the, whatever, TD Jakes and, the mm-hmm. Creflo dollars and, the you know, whoever else is out there, but. So I'm sure they would all get lumped in too. Again, I haven't listened to all of them, so I don't know if that's mm-hmm. true or not. But, you know, I'm sure I there's think, other big ones that you might go, oh, yeah, you know, I haven't really heard much about him. But maybe I think we I'd just have weird. more today than we had then. I mean, the last days, you know, it's supposed to be worse. So I but think there's definitely a, more today because people have, because as in the last days, they're going to have itching ears. People, well, they have itching ears. And I do think the prosperity gospel, though, is particularly nefarious in our society because we're so materialistic yeah it's yeah. just such an easy one to it latch goes on with to what we desire really so 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, and it goes with what you need. I mean, you live in a nation that's, you know, this, I guess, uh, idolatrous towards money. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're like, I need it. You know, I need money. I have to live here. I got to, you know, all these things. It's, it's a very nefarious. Um, and people like hearing, um, like everybody's a prophet these days. There's even like going to school and to, to be a prophet. Like you shouldn't, I don't agree with paying to learn how to be a prophet. You don't find that in scripture. Like that's a spiritual gift. You don't pay for that. And we see in Acts, you know, even the man who wanted to like pay for the Holy Spirit, like the Holy Spirit gives you gifts. Like you don't buy it. Yeah. Anyway, that's everywhere too. And in Jeremiah uh, in chapter 14 says, the prophets prophesy lies in my name. He says, I have not sent them, commanded them, nor spoken to them. They prophesy to you a false vision, divination, a worthless thing, and the deceit of their heart. And then the whole thing with, I declare in this whole like little God's um, theology that you hear, that's, this is all connected to the prosperity preachers. They all are kind of teaching the same thing. Yeah, there's definitely a certain mix between a lot of them where, you know, the sort of, you know, kind of like new word age of faith teaching plus too. prosperity, like it all kind of, I think, blends together a lot, new age. Yeah. And that was one of the things they brought up in this was that they wanted to add new age teachings kind of to the resolution to condemn it, but they took that wording out of the prosperity gospel part for the okay. SBC. So it all needs to be called out together. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, um, just the whole, um, just good news there on the SBC though, the law of attraction, like, you know, life and death is in the power of the tongue. And then they take, you know, the new age mixed in with that is like, whatever you say is going to come to pass. And like, that's yeah, false teaching. Yeah. It's very too. new agey. Um, so that's good. Good for the SBC to take a stand again. Mm-hmm. Could go a step further. Don't think they will. Not even sure that that's the right thing to do, but it would just be interesting. Um, make good fodder for this show, that's for sure. So um, more good news, though, from the Christian realm. Um, you want to read this headline? Uh, Christian Reformed Church brings LGBT stance into faith statement. And then just read like those three paragraphs. Uh, The Christian Reformed Church, a small evangelical denomination of U.S. and Canadian churches, voted Wednesday at its annual synod to codify its opposition to homosexual sex by elevating it to the status of confession or a declaration of faith. The 123 to 53 vote at Calvin University in Grand Rapids, Michigan, caps a process begun in 2016 when a previous synod voted to form a study committee to bring a report on the biblical theology of sexuality. And the vote, after two long days of debate, approves a list of what the uh, denomination calls sexual immorality it won't tolerate, including adultery, premarital sex, extramarital sex, polymery, if that's how you say it. I don't know. Polymory. I don't know. And pornography and homosexual sex. Yep. So the CRC is taking a stand. And I think that is very, very important to do. Uh, Maybe symbolic that they're taking the stand right here at the end of Gay Mm -hmm. Pride Month. So that's good Mm -hmm. on them. Um, I do think it's pretty funny that 
53 of their members voted against this. They're like, hold on a second, extramarital sex and homosexuality. Are you kidding me? Hmm. Not on my watch. You know, what Bible are you reading? Like, Yeah, did they just disagree with one of those in the list? I don't know how you could agree with any of those. What did you say that polyamory one was? I just think polyamory is like multiple partners. multiple something, maybe that's... Something like that, but... Like uh, polygamy? It does say that... um, (laughs) said something about... Oh, yeah, down here. Many people are polishing their CVs, starting to look at what else is out there and preparing themselves to leave. So Mm -hmm. apparently this uh, super radical stance on biblical sexuality is driving the staff at Kelvin University to start looking for jobs elsewhere. And I say good riddance, Um, because if you can't sign off on that statement. Oh, my gosh. I'm so glad that there's. Yeah. And I'm sure they knew ahead of time that people were going to leave. Well, I mean, the 53 that voted against it, obviously. And I don't know if this is tied to the Kelvin theological seminary i'm not sure mm, if they're the same mm. because kelvin theological seminary is in grand rapids i believe as well and that was the one i was thinking of when we talked about the biblical mm. womanhood i believe one of the women that was a pastor got her her degree at kelvin seminary so it was a you know female um what is that the egalitarian mm-hmm. sort of view so maybe they see that sort of writing on the wall here but I think this is really positive. And then down here it says, this motion harms LGBTQ people, harms the church's witness, and naming this as a confession will have disastrous consequences for people and institutions, said one of the delegates at the Synod. They use these words like negative words, harm and disastrous consequence. (laughs) And I think, you know, in a sense, sure, right? If you put... um, the church, if that becomes more important to you than the Lord that you're serving, yeah, and yeah. you're afraid of losing membership count, then sure, that would make sense, right? Or if you are placing more importance on the creature rather than the creator, then yeah, you could see some disastrous results here. But um, this idea that these, I think, I would assume 53, and we see this in other churches as well, the Episcopalian church and the Methodist church that split, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this idea that somehow the Bible and Christianity and even evangelism needs an improvement, you know, mm-hmm. that somehow God's way of teaching and living is antiquated. Um, it's no longer really useful in this modern age. Well, like, you'll hear the phrase in these prosperity churches, God is doing a new thing. You hear that phrase before? You know you have. Yeah, he's, doing he's something reimagining new. biblical womanhood. <laughs> no, he's not. You are. Um, so I think it's important. And again, if those people are surrounding you, they're on your staff, and they want to walk away, you know what? Wish them well, um, but let them go. You know, we need to, I mean, the, the church in America really needs a thinning anyways um, of people that like to wear the label of Christianity, but want to live completely secular. And really, Gay Pride Month has been, it's very illuminating um, to see who's sort of in that camp. You can just point them out, you know, and Mm-hmm. Not to say that we should desire that they leave or kick them out necessarily. You should be um, trying to bring them back into right alignment with scripture. Mm-hmm. But again, if they are unwilling to or they just want to leave, I wouldn't be it's holding about time. on to them. So. <clears throat> Maybe this is what will start another revival. I was just thinking of that 
that picture I sent you or someone's profile. Instead of Pride Month, they called it like Grooming Your Children Awareness uh, Month. Grooming Awareness <laughs> yeah. Month or whatever. Yeah. Like that is way more accurate. No, and this one ties in pretty well with um, really our, is this our last story here? Yeah, the last story that we have here. I think it ties in pretty well. And this is a clip from Woke Preacher Clips on Twitter. And if you're not following Woke Preacher Clips and you're on Twitter, you need to be following them because it's, it's a treasure trove of modern, secular, so-called Christianity. Um, so this one, I'm just going to play the clip. It's only about a minute and a half long. So let me just make sure I got the volume on. And I think when we start thinking, even when we start talking about the church and how systemic racism still plays out, I mean, if we look at our seminaries, yeah, um, and especially predominantly white seminaries, what does the leadership and most of the professors look like still? Yeah. And what, you know, whose voice is being left out as it relates in the classroom, the books that are being taught from? It's not that you have, all theologians are not white, yeah. but you would think, and even some people come out of seminary not knowing a non-white theologian. Yeah, totally. At all. And yeah. so... And you're talking about the study of God. And exactly. So it's not like Europeans are the only people, European people descent, only people exactly. that know about God. Where, I mean, where did Christianity start? Like, <laughs> yeah, think yeah. about it. And, and I mean, those are things that we live, we leave out. The and then, first 300 yeah. years of Christianity was, was black and brown. Yes, it, Northern Africa. Yeah. And so I think that that's a context that, that's left out, that people are not taught. And so seminaries, you know, are a part of that. But I, you know, I was just at a seminary, um, and how they're they're starting to change that because when you start changing the guard, um, and you start put, putting, you know, people of color at, in places, and then also people, um, white people who have been transformed, yeah. you know, that are living, um, the, you know, this this redeemed life and this transformation. Um, and understanding an inclusive life of yeah. all God's children, yeah. um, you know, start looking at and teaching from books that reflect the kingdom of God. Yeah. You know, the kingdom of God is not white. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and totally. so, and that's, that's really important because if you're, you're made to think that you start discounting, yes. you know, these voices. So I think, you know, when we start looking at the shifting change, it really has to also shift and change in a lot of our seminaries. All righty then. <laughs> so, um, yeah, just a lot of stuff to touch on in that little short minute and a half clip. Um, stuff that I didn't even write down that I realized just watching it this time again. The, uh, these white seminary professors that have been redeemed right their real redemption comes when they accept black people as christians i guess not when they you know christ comes into their heart and saves them from death and hell no it's when they've accepted that christianity I, was not birthed in europe so. i think she's the kind of person like she'd get to heaven and she'd be like did you save an equal amount of every race jesus i think you got more white people in here like Really, you're going to get to heaven and think like that with God's not all about quality and the way you think? No, it's definitely <laughs> uh, bizarre, and I think it's dangerous. Um, yeah. And this is something that I've kind of been worried about um, for a while now, kind of coming our way. And we actually um, did an episode on this not too long ago 
I think we titled it Racializing Jesus, kind of expecting that these um, sort of racialized, you know, if you want to call them race baiting Christians, they're going to start mm-hmm. coming for the church. And now we see them coming here for the seminary. And this is why I like to attach this to the previous um, story with the CRC in their seminary, uh, seminaries or, you know, Kelvin University in these mm-hmm. places taking a stand. You know, they did that against the LGBTQ, but they're, they've joined at the, you know, at the hip, basically the LGBTQ and the Black Lives Matter sort of movements are the same thing now, essentially for yep. somehow that became the same movement. I don't understand, but um, the thing mm-hmm. is these people have a great track record of radicalizing universities in all sorts of institutions of higher learning. So now they have their sights set on your seminary. Like, yep. what are you going to do about it? You know, because I think, you know, if you're, if you've gone to seminary, maybe you're an alumni, or even if you're a teacher or, you know, professor at a seminary, you work for a seminary, whatever happens to be, you go to seminary, like you better start speaking up about this and starting to build in some guardrails against it now, um, before it gets too late and they're banging down your door and they're trying to bring diversity, inclusion, and equity into your hiring processes and your faculty and your, you know, board of directors and all these places that they're going to start demanding equal opportunity, equal rights and all these things. And like, um, it's more about quality than like a person who's qualified for the position or. Right. Because they even make the point in there, um, you know, that people don't, you know, somehow people don't know of any Christian theologians that aren't white, which is funny. And this did, truthfully, this came from a larger, like 35 minute, I think, sit down. So they may have gone into this, but they make that claim in this clip and they don't offer up any non-European theologians. So I figured I would help them. And one non-European theologian that everybody in the Western white Christian world knows of, for the most part, is St. Augustine. Um, So our Western Christianity is very heavily influenced by a non-white Northern African Christian theologian. Now, of course, I'm sure they knew of St. Augustine. Surely they're learned and godly. There's names out there and you just don't know Um, who they are. You don't know anything about them. Like everybody's heard St. Augustine. Right. And Again, I'm sure that they they may get into more non you know white Christian theologians. I don't know, but I don't know who in the Christian world um, doesn't recognize that Christianity didn't start in Great Britain. <laughs> like we realize as we're reading the Bible that these men were <laughs> you know first century Jewish men that lived in Israel, but Um, I think this is important to start building guardrails because obviously they're talking about, you know, well, really not. So, I mean, they're talking about diversity, inclusion, and equity, and that comes with everything that diversity, inclusion, inclusion, and equity brings with it, which is not just race, but also sex and gender. So I, I would not be shocked if very soon down the road, these people are beating down your doors that you've got to hire, you know, more black staff. But then you got to hire more white staff. And now your professors need to be more gender inclusive. And we already know that there's seminaries out there that are on board, Union Theological Seminary. Is this where they're going to come in and say, like, separate church and state? 
Like oh, well, this isn't know. even church and state. But this that's is... what that they say. They're like, well, this is why you should have separated and they're going to. Well, I don't know. I mean, this is just going to be more of that sort of, um, you know, bend to our will or we're going to shut you down. We're going to protest. We're going to riot. We're going to close your campus off. We're going to, you know, everything. Gonna... There's a battle for everything. Like they just don't stop and we're going to have to fight it. Like it's, it's going to happen, but we're just going to have to keep fighting it. And hopefully eventually well, we do, we have to fight it. And that's why you got to be aware of it. And you need to start again, building those guardrails. Don't mm-hmm. sit there and go, look, you know, we're a small school. We're this and that these guys aren't coming for us. You know, we have, you know, a black girl working on our staff. So we're good. No, you're not. You need to start like CRC does start institutionalizing this stuff, make it policy, you know, mm-hmm. start getting, if you got lawyers, get them ready, right? Like this stuff is coming for you. And I think it's really dangerous and something we need to be preparing yeah, for. Yeah, And her just saying like, like, does she not realize like, we're a very unique country, very diverse. So it's expected in our country that we be diverse in every business, church, military, like just because we have all these different ethnic groups doesn't mean it has to be that in everything. Like that's not the goal. We're not equality over quality, qualified. Like that isn't number one. Right. But it is number one for them because if you can go with the like equal in number rather than equal in qualification, qualifications are hard to come by. Right. right. It's hard to be. That has to be first. It's hard to get a doctorate in theology and go and be a professor at a college. But it's a lot easier if you can have your LGBTQ mafia demand that people who aren't qualified get hired in positions they otherwise shouldn't have because you need to make a racial or a gender right. quota. Right. What if it comes to like a surgeon? Also, we got all white surgeons on staff. And we know this yeah. Asian one over here, he's not as qualified, but we got to hire All right. Him. Don't be talking crazy. Asians in education. I'm not trying <laughs> to be racist. I know I said it. I was like. But darn it. Those people know how to. <laughs> I want an Asian doctor. We could find them. No. But this is also, again, this is a very satanic movement. So why wouldn't Satan want to attach himself to seminaries and churches and bring those to his knees? Because ultimately, in order to take over America, to bring America's to his knees, you got to kill the church. Um, and again, they've already killed the education system. The youth in America is floundering and drowning because they have a stranglehold on the university system and the education system in this country. That's how they're getting to the church is by getting to your kids in the education system. Yeah, they are so coming in through... Very, very dangerous story. Seemingly good, you know, back doors, you'd say, where you wouldn't expect... Oh, and we do expect it now. It's out in the open. Come on. But that's how they're sneaking in. That's yeah. how they're tearing down. Well, and they play on our own goodwill because yeah. we go, hey, we don't hate anybody. Like, why would I care if somebody's qualified? Whether they're, you know, obviously, again, you would have biblical qualifications. So yeah. if they don't meet that. But again, they hate biblical qualification because biblical qualification means male headship. Um, and that just throws their whole worldview out that messes the window. Up. So. Yeah. But just a few things that they pointed out in here that really got under my skin. They say in there, the kingdom of God isn't white. Uh, Yeah, it is. Um, Now, it's not exclusively white, um, but it is white. White people belong in the kingdom of God. 
we're not excluded from yeah, the kingdom of God. Yeah, that sounded, maybe, did she not mean it that way? I don't know. No, I'm sure that's not the way she meant it, but that's the way it came off. Like, you know, and I guess maybe in her mind, she might say, well, white people believe they have an exclusive hold on the kingdom of God. And I would disagree with that. Why would she think that? But we belong there, you know? Yeah. Um, and then the second part here, even the whole notion of this, that we've got to get diversity, inclusion, and equity into the seminaries to teach because that's the whole point of this lecture here like you should not care and i don't know why the racial makeup of your professor would matter at all yeah because you're not trying to go and learn the the black variation of scripture and the greek variant you're trying to learn the scripture variant of scripture and it's whoever can present that to you in the most sound whatever logical, understandable way is the teacher you want, rather he's white, black. And people say, they're like, I don't see uh, people by their skin color. So they make that argument, but then they say, well, there's not enough people of color. You know what I mean? They say these two statements that they can't Oh, right. You have true. to be racist to balance out racism. That's the conundrum. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. We should be looking for good Bible teachers. We don't even have enough of those. Um, you know, if you've watched this show for a while, that's why we've plugged Vody Bakum so much. Not that we think having a black guy in today's world is all that important, but having a really smart um, apologist mm -hmm. is very important, and Vody is that. Um, and we here, we agree with James 3.1, you know, that says that not many should become teachers. So we don't need just an influx of people because they meet a quota. Mm -hmm, we need to right. thin that herd and just get the right teachers in place so right. that the whole country can benefit. Because we've seen what the country looks like. We're living it, right? We talked about the Southern Baptist Convention, you know, 6,000 new churches since 2000, and they've lost 2 million members. Whole bunch of pastors, ain't nobody coming to hear them preach, right? Mm -hmm. So we need to start thinning the herd there anyways. So rather you're white, black, Asian, Mexican, it don't matter. If you can preach the word of God and you have a sound biblical understanding, that's who should be doing this. Right. Um, so dangerous stuff, dangerous people. They come off very nice and well put together. I would be incredibly leery of these people. Um, so mm -hmm. do you have any last thoughts on any of the news stories we talked about before we roll into our Bible topic? Nope, you can go on. All right, some good news this week, some bad news. Um, but for our Bible topic, so we mentioned earlier, um, and you probably saw it in the title of this video, um, that we got a post blocked on Facebook. Nothing revolutionary there. Um, but we did want to share about the message of why it was blocked on Facebook. Um, and that's kind of what we're going to use here as a jumping off point for this Bible talk. Um, so you'll see on the screen here, I have the post that was banned on Facebook. And this is actually not the original one. Or no, this is the original one. I posted it a second time and the second one got banned, which is unfortunate because I wish the first one would have gotten banned if any of them got banned because I changed one word and it was right at the bottom there. If you see, I said, um, whatever, these people equals will not inherit the kingdom of God. And I changed it to risk not inheriting the kingdom of God. And I think that's a better way to put it rather than me determining you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. You can't pull it up here. You, you don't risk it. it. Um, well, it's, yeah, 
Well, you'll see it on there. So for the podcast audience, the post just reads, starts out 1 Corinthians 5, and then these all just kind of go one, um, one line down, so it's kind of a little row. It says, homosexuality equals sexual immorality. Sexual immorality equals sin. Homosexuality equals sin. Pride equals sin. Pride in sin equals sin. Homosexual pride equals sin. Sin equals an affront against God. Pride in sin equals affront against God. A lifestyle of affronts against God equals will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then I change that for the next one to where it says a lifestyle of affronts against God equals risk not inheriting the kingdom of God. And then it ends with Galatians 5.21. That's the post. And the reason um, we posted it, because you might be saying, well, why post that in the first place? Um, And let me see if I can pull this up so Nikki can see it. Okay. Um, So why post this in the first place, right? Well, like we mentioned, it's the last week in June, last week of Pride Month, and I kind of made the decision early on that I was going to make a post every day for the entirety of June, sort of combating the sin of homosexuality, but really more so the, um, the sin of pride, which I think is the more dangerous part of Pride Month. Um, homosexuality is certainly a sin, but pride is an even more dangerous sin, and when you would Mm-hmm. you know, tell people to be proud of another sin, that's a really dangerous place to be. So I thought, you know what, I'm just going to go and um, make a post about this every day. And it's actually been a real big burden. And I'm glad the month is coming to an end. <laughs> um, but that's what we've been doing. And as you can imagine, got plenty of complaints, plenty of pushback. And it's actually the most engagement I've ever gotten on a single Facebook post was from this. Um, I think at the Right now, there's like 189 comments on there. And as you can imagine, most of them are pretty negative. Uh, Most people did not. Mm -hmm. They did not take too kindly to this. Um, And uh, Hmm. I also, in the same, um, well, yeah, so the comments mostly, right, they're negative. And they all came down to basically the same point. Who are you to judge? Mm -hmm. Um, What you're saying is nasty. Who are you to judge? And then what's funny is just last week, we did our episode on godly marriage. And in what was basically a throwaway line early in the episode, I made the point that, well, you know, I'm talking about real Christians, not Mormons, because they aren't Christians. It was kind of just, just blurted it out. And somebody responded on YouTube and they were like, what do you mean Mormons aren't Christians? So I kind of went with a little bit of back and forth. And then they came back with essentially, and they weren't nasty. They seemed inquisitive kind of, but it resulted in the same thing. You know, you sound judgmental and who are you to judge? If they say they're Christians, they're Christians. And I was like, okay, so that's what led us in today's Bible topic. So do you want to tell them what we're talking about for today's Bible topic? Christians are supposed to judge. Woo! Bring in the smoke. <laughs> yes, Christians. Um, as you can see back here, the only thing you can't judge is this episode. Um, you just got to love it. You got to like it and subscribe to it. Um, tell your friends about it, but you cannot judge it. So, and I know what you guys are saying now. You know, what about a plank in the eye? 
Judge not lest ye be judged. How dare you? I get it. I get it, you know. But what's funny is in all the talk about this post is hateful, who are you to judge? The only thing that no one ever seems to have a problem with is judging the sin of judging. You can judge that sin all day long and they'll tell you all, you're sinning because you're judging and you're like, well, aren't you doing exactly what you're blaming me? Yeah, Never mind yeah. that. They don't want to see that. So, That's um, funny. but we're going to get to the plank in the eye. We're going to try to dive into all of that. Um, so what we're going to try to do here is just kind of go through scripture and just kind of show, I'm sure there's a lot more scripture that we could get into. And as always, we want to hear from you guys. Um, What's funny is there's so much scripture about judging, but that's the only one they know and they don't even understand what it means. Well, and I would go with the fact that they aren't reading scripture they to know this. They're remembering no. scripture. Yeah. Um, and in large part, they're probably remembering fragments of scripture. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's what we're going to do. We're just going to kind of go through some scripture again, just some of them, not all of them. And we want to hear from you guys. If again, if you think we're off base, please let us know. If you think maybe, hey, you're you're on point here, but you missed maybe this piece of it, or you know, here's some more things to consider. Whatever happens yes. to be, let us know. Please we, sharpen us. We want to be corrected if we need to be corrected. Um, so we'll just get the big dog out of the way first, right? Um, <laughs> the big complaint, right? <clears throat> Who are you to judge? So Matthew seven. And do you want to read Matthew chapter 7, verse 1? You all can say it with me. You all know it. Everyone knows it. Judge not that you be not judged. Boom! <laughs> In your face, right? Religionless Christianity. Shut up, you haters. There it is. Just read it for yourself. And that's pretty serious for sure. I mean, we're not going to, obviously, we're joking a little bit here, but this is Jesus talking, right? Um, pretty serious stuff. So, and it's made even more serious when you read verse two of chapter seven. So do you want to read verse two? For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Yeah. And judgment's serious. I mean, we're joking a little bit about <laughs> it here, but certainly serious. You yeah. know, um, I know for certain, I don't want God judging me based on my merits. Right, right. Because um, that's going to end very poorly for me. I want to rest in the blood of Christ, uh, the sacrifice on the cross, um, not my own righteousness. Um, but I think sadly, with this whole judge not lest you be judged, this is as far as most people get. And again, like I mentioned, I think mostly it's because they remember this verse. It's not that they're reading this verse because we've looked at the stats. People don't read their Bible anymore. Mm -mm. By and large, the number of people that read their Bible regularly is pretty slim. So, Well, they just think Christianity is live and let live. Like, right. just mind your own business and love everyone. That's why they use that verse out of context. And that could also be tied back in with this prosperity gospel, this, you know... Um, That's true. All these different false teachings where this would be right added in there that, you know, grace covers me. I can do whatever I want. I can sin. You know, God doesn't care. You know, his blood covers me. So don't tell me what I'm doing is wrong. Um, mm -hmm. And I actually had, you know, I go and do the jail ministry on Monday nights. And we were going through a really good talk and we were um, talking about, boy, what verse were we talking? I can't remember. It was one of the Psalms or Proverbs that I was covering. And, it wasn't 51. Um, well, we did 51, but I don't remember if this was part of that. But I got into the point that 
we as Christians, we have to help hold each other accountable. We got to let people know when they're straying. We got to judge right versus wrong. We have to be able to do that. I actually have one of the guys in jail who's actually been pretty talkative, very, um, he understands the word pretty well, but he's like, hold on a second there. He's like, I got to stop you there. He's like, you know, I'm I'm not judging anybody. And he's like talking to his friend, like, I'm not judging anybody. And I was like, (laughs) listen, dude, you have to judge them. Like, if you're the only one there to tell them what they're doing is right or wrong and you just keep your mouth closed, like that's not the acceptable answer there to go, who am I to say? Uh, the entire Bible says you're to say. So yeah. I actually had this talk just the other day with these guys. And um, so those I think are the verses that people remember. But mm-hmm. fortunately for us, we have a Lord Um, who cares about us and is smart enough to uh, help us out immensely. So he actually didn't stop there. Um, So do you want to read the ending of this here? Because the ending is just as important as the beginning. It is. You have to read everything together to get the context. So it says, or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. Oh, my God. (laughs) That's actually more harsh than I remember it. That is, I thought it ended differently. Um, oh, okay. No, it does. Thank God. I was just remembering the verse there myself. So I'm just kidding. But do you want to read the end end of this verse? Okay. So first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. That makes oh, sense. Oh, there you go. It's not saying not to judge. Yeah, so you read the whole thing and you realize Jesus is actually teaching two lessons here. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I was looking this up, my ESV study Bible says, uh, I like the way they put it, so I'll just read it. He says, Jesus warns us against inappropriate judging and command or commends appropriate evaluation. And I thought, you know, maybe that's the word that we need to use is evaluation. Mm-hmm. Um, that's sort of better for our kind of modern, sensitive ears. Or just discern. Discern um, is certainly a good word there. But judging works just fine here too, you know, depending on, and most people are smart enough. And I think it's a bit of a, you know, you're a bit of a line to yourself when people are like offended by that word. Because even when you try to go have this talk, they're like, no, 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 you can't judge. And like, you know what we're saying here. We're talking about evaluating right and wrong, discerning right and wrong. So if that word works better for you, evaluate, discern, whatever it happens to be. But mm-hmm. yeah, um, you know, yeah, Jesus is warning us here, right? Like, um, don't judge in the sense of being judgmental. You know, don't look down on your brother because at the end of the day, we're all sinners. You know, so even if you're correcting him from a sin, you're a sinner just as well. So who, like, don't look down at him. Yeah, because the um, scriptures say, like, take heed lest you fall. Yeah, because there's nothing for us to boast about. We're all sinners. We're all in need of a Savior. It's just I'm noticing your sin and helping you with that, correcting you in that. Mm-hmm. And odds are you're going to be correcting me in mine mm-hmm. sometime very soon, right? That's just yes. human nature. So, um, But that second part of the verse there, and I was joking a bit, that's a call to action. And I think that's the part that people always miss. They know the plank in the eye. They know the judge not lest ye be judged. But the end of that says, 
first take the log out of your own eye, clean up your own life, then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's because he needs you to take the speck out of his eye. Mm -hmm. He just wants to make sure you can actually see clearly to take it out. Mm -hmm. So in a sense, you know, don't just get done looking at porn and giving into your lustful desires. And then two seconds later, walk downstairs and see your brother on a, on porn and be like, Hey, that's a sin. Don't you know, Hey, you should clean up your life and be like, are you kidding me? Like, you just, you've got a giant plank in your eye. Mm -hmm. And in the spec, it might be something that's smaller, you know, a smaller, less noticeable sin. And nobody's going to take advice from you or even listen to you if they know you have an obvious sin that you deal with. They're going to be like, no, I'm not, there's nothing wrong with me. It's you. You need to work on yourself. Yeah. And again, I mean, and this is why Paul gives us the qualifications for, um, an elder to be a man of good repute so that when you do bring these, you know, corrective measures to someone, they can go, yeah, I trust him. He's yes. a good dude. Not yeah. like, man, I just saw you at the bar getting drunk, hitting on girls too. And now here you are pastor, whoever, like, no, you're not a man of good repute. I'm not listening to you. So, mm. um, yeah, you want to have a good reputation so that people will trust when you're, you have, I think you just have more discernment. Um, just the closer you walk with the Lord and you're more sensitive to sin and you'll, you'll see it easily. You'll see that speck, that small sin or that slope that someone's on where they're going to fall into sin and you're going to catch it and you're going to confront them and love and they're going to trust you and they're going to say, oh my goodness, you're right. Thank you for correcting me. Like it's just a speck. You wouldn't notice it, but they saved you because yeah. they care about your soul. Yeah, I mean, so Jesus isn't telling you to just leave the plank in your own eye right. and then never help your brother. Right. You know, he's telling you to clean up your own life so that you can help clean up the lives of those around you. Mm -hmm. um, focus on yourself first and then help everyone. I mean, it's basically the airline, right? Put the mask on your, on your own face mm. first so that you can help those around you. That's true. Um, but so just stepping back big picture, or picture, like the entire Bible, right? It's a lot of things, um, but one of the things that it is, is a correction tool. Yeah. By and large, almost in the entirety of the Bible, almost every single book mm -hmm. and every single writer was telling us who God is, where we've gone wrong, and how we are to get back. That's almost the entire Bible. Um, and this is a large part of Christ's message, too. Um, you know, he's pointing out to the people who are even doing that for others, and he was saying, Hey, here's where you got God's word wrong. Um, here's how you should actually, you know, interpret it, live it out in your life. Now go and do what I've told you to do. Like that was a large part of Christ's uh, ministry. So he was correcting mm -hmm. errors. And, you know, thankfully, if we're open to that, we have a lot to learn from there. And that's what we should be trying to do is learn that lesson. Um, yep. And you might be saying, well, yeah, but that's Jesus, right? He's God, so it's fine for him to do. But nobody else can do it unless they're God. And I hear you. You know, that's, that's <laughs> a thought to have. Um, we would disagree. And we're not even going to touch on the Old Testament here because we don't have enough time in the episode to go through all the Old Testament. Um, but it's filled with prophets um, proclaiming the word of God and, you know, instructing his people where they've gone astray and where they've um, sinned against God and how to turn back and how to come. It was all 
in large part corrective measures, right? So mm-hmm. even we'll just focus on the New Testament, but I mean, you can go just right away. I mean, the first four books, you get the Gospel of John, and that was essentially in large part written to correct errors in the church. They were given into Stoicism and Gnosticism. So he wrote his gospel correcting a lot of these errors in their thoughts about who Jesus was and the secret knowledge. He had to refocus them that, no, 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 Jesus is God. In the beginning was the word. And he lays out Jesus as God in his gospel, right? It's, that's why they have the, uh, what the synoptic gospels, and then there's John's gospel. It's different. It's a much more corrective. He's refocusing mm-hmm. people. Um, and then obviously you can get into Paul's writings and um, essentially every church he wrote to was in part to correct errors in those churches. Yeah. Um, either just in their practice or their understanding of certain things, he was correcting things. Galatians, especially. Galatians, Corinthians. I mean, especially Mm -hmm. being in Pride Month, how often did we go back to Corinthians? And we're like, you know, who am I to judge those outside? We're going to talk about 1 Corinthians here. Um, But I mean, even you go all the way to the end of the book, in Revelation, there's, you know, the seven churches that John is writing to with revelation from God on where they've gone astray mm-hmm. and how they need to turn back. He's correcting the errors. So it's all over the scriptures. And um, you might even be saying, all right, Jesus can do it and apostles can do it. That's it, though. Um, and it, listen, we hear you. I get it. Unfortunately, though, that's not what the apostles said, right? Um, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, he says, be imitators of me as I am mm-hmm. of Christ. So we've got to do what the apostles did. That's what we should be striving for. Um, so the first scripture that I want to get into here, uh, it's a very common one. And I think it's uh, important to sort of set the stage with what we're talking about um, when we're speaking about this idea of judgment or evaluating or discerning, whatever word correcting sort of fits best with you. Um, We're talking about those who profess faith in Jesus um, because really the gospel is for the unsaved world. Um, That's the message they need to hear. That's really all they need to hear Mm -hmm. until they accept the call of Christ as Lord and Savior. Right. Teaching and correction is for the body of believers. So we're talking to the body of believers, and I would believe and. The apostles say as much. That's who we're talking to here. Yeah, I agree with that. And this Hebrews uh, chapter 6, verse 1, which the title of it in my Bible is called The Peril of Not Progressing. He says, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. So just this whole thing, like, let's get past this you can't judge me stuff. Like, those are elementary principles. Like, let's move past that. Yeah, you <laughs> yeah, you can't be stuck on just, you know, continuing to sin, living in the exact same life you're supposedly were born again out of, and then just every time you get corrected, be like, you can't tell me. Well, with that, you have no, to explain you the gospel all that, over right? again. So, yes. Um, but so the first verse that we want to talk about here, 1 Corinthians 
chapter 5, verse nine, verses 9 through 13. Um, so do you want to read those verses? They're verses you guys are very familiar with, but we'll read them. Uh, so he says, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters. Since then, you would need to go out of the world. But now I am writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you, which he's quoting that. <laughs> yeah, but you can read that and go, okay, well, how am I to not associate with these people if I'm also not to judge or correct or discern that they're giving into any of these sins? If I'm supposed to just pretend that I don't see or notice or who am I to judge and, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, he's a drunkard, but that's not my place to tell it. Yeah, it is. You're supposed to recognize that. Um, mm -hmm. So you can discern if that's right or wrong. That's the whole reason that we have these things is that we can learn, we can read scripture, learn it and then go, oh, see, no, that brother's a drunkard. He's swindling people. I can correct him, but if he doesn't change, I can't associate with him. But if you just stick your head in the sand and be like, hey, man, I can't tell you if you're doing right or wrong because Only I'm God not to judge. judge. Yeah. Well, then how do you enact this, how do you disassociate with people that are given into that lifestyle? And if you disassociate with them because you go, well, I'm not judging them. I just don't want to be around it. Well, then you're just letting them go off into a sinful lifestyle that can potentially lead them to hell. Mm -hmm. And you could have said something because you knew it was wrong. And you just went, not my place. What if you were like that with your own family, like with the kids? Like, yeah, my kid's going to stick that fork in the electrical outlet. Uh, not what I would do. Who am I to judge, right? I don't want to get them mad at me because I got a log in my eye. I can't judge them. <laughs> but Paul goes on in the very next chapter, chapter 6 um, of 1 Corinthians, to, uh, to instruct us to settle disputes amongst ourselves. He says in verse 5 of chapter 6, Can it be that there is no one among you wise enough to settle a dispute between the brothers? So how can you settle a dispute as Paul instructs, if no one can determine right or wrong, there obviously mm -hmm. has to be somebody smart enough to determine what's right or wrong in order to settle a dispute. Um, yep. So someone's got to be able to judge God's word and how each people are living that word out in their life to go, he's right, he's wrong, according to God's word. Mm -hmm. That's judging, that's according discerning. According to God's word, you're not judging someone according to your righteousness or to how close you're walking. You always judge according to God's commandments. Yeah. Always. And so I'll just can't get mad at you. <laughs> make this point here that you should be um, the one or at least striving to be the one that's wise enough to settle disputes. Um, you shouldn't be the person that just expects that somebody else is going to put in all the hard work and all the study in God's word, and then they're just going to spoon feed it to you so that you can pretend to live a holy life. You should be the one doing that and striving for that level of wisdom and maturity in your faith that, yeah, it's nice when someone else can know it too, but I should also be 
I mean, we talked about Stephen. He was a deacon in his church. He was doing miracle signs and wonders, mm -hmm. lecturing the Pharisees on Jewish uh, or on the Old Testament. This guy was a deacon handing out food at church, you know, but instead we're just like, well, I remember it says, judge not lest ye be judged. <laughs> okay. Well, did you read it? No. The pastor will tell me like, then you're not doing your job, man. Um, yeah. We have instruction in scripture, a lot of instruction. And someone made a comment uh, on Facebook on someone's post and it was about godly living and um, dressing modestly. Oh, we'll talk about um, in modesty church, and get the claws but out, out of church too. It isn't about just church. But anyway, that was the topic. So everybody's getting in on there and, you know, quoting scripture to back it up. And, um, and someone said that it's not our job to tell someone how to dress. And she said, the Holy Spirit will convict someone if they're in sin. And that's how they'll learn. And I'm just like, why does Paul instruct the older women to teach the younger women? how to even love their husbands and children. Like, it's true the Holy Spirit does bring conviction of personal sin. Like, we don't bring the conviction. We can't cause conviction to happen, but we can bring the word, and then the Holy Spirit will work uh, that word into their hearts, which will bring the conviction. Like, when you just pass it off, like, nope, Holy Spirit will do it. I don't want to confront them. Like, you're being a coward and you're being disobedient to the word of God. Yeah. I just don't like when they're like, no, the whole, if they have the Holy Spirit, the, the Holy Spirit will convict them. No, it's definitely. But what if they don't have the Holy Spirit? What if they're just in your church and they're just there to be a distraction? Well, yeah. What I mean, bring out the modesty argument and see how quickly people try to shut down, you know, that judgment there, that discernment there. That's definitely a touchy one. Um, but we're called to, right? Um, again, it's in scripture. It should be taught and instructed. Um, mm -hmm. And the next verse here, Galatians 6, 1, um, it reads, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Mm -hmm. So again, how are we to know they're in a transgression if we aren't to judge between right and wrong? But he's saying you who are spiritual Right, Do because it. this is inside the church. We yes. are brothers and sisters in Christ. But again, you have to be aware, first off, of what is right and wrong, and then judging whether that person is doing that. Yeah, That's yeah. judgment. That's discernment. You have to be able to do it so you can go and restore him. And like yes. he says, in the spirit of gentleness, like Jesus taught, not being judgmental or looking down, but right. For the sake of their soul, hey, brother, you're going astray. This is a sin. You need to stop. Come back. Like, mm -hmm. do you see what kind of pickle this line of thinking gets you in? Like, you can't judge me means that you can't restore a brother in gentleness. You can't exactly. discern yeah. right or wrong. You just got to sit there and pretend to be blind, even though you're not, because we can't just shut our brains off. You're just, I don't know what it is. It, it gets you in a... A theological pickle, really, I think. Judge not lest ye be judged. Hey, uh, restore your brother in a spirit of gentleness for his transgressions. But doesn't that mean I have to... <laughs> oh, my good. Like, the next verse here um, that I want to touch on was James 5.19 through 20. Do you want to read that verse? My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings 
uh, back a sinner from his wandering, will save his soul from death, and will cover a multitude of sins. That seems pretty cut and dry to me. It's <laughs> yes. hard to read that verse and be like, well, but what about, you know, like, you must judge. It's that simple. We can quibble on the word judge, but you're being dishonest, I well, think. What you get from these warnings of a brother wandering is saying that we're going to wander and we need each other to bring, each, to bring one another back. Yes. Like, he wouldn't be saying, if someone wanders, that's saying, yeah, it's going to happen. Yeah. And it's not even like talking about necessarily, and I would say it's not even talking about just big sins, adultery and murder or whatever. Like, mm -hmm. but if it's little sins, like if you got a brother that you know just started a part time job and he's like, well, I've been looking at this BMW, I think I'm going to get me this BMW. And you, as a wiser, older man, go, you know, the uh, debtor is slave to the lender. You should not be getting a car loan for right. forty thousand dollars that you can't afford. That's unwise. Again, you're not judging him. You're help. Hey, man, you yeah. shouldn't be well, doing that. That's what is that? It's covetousness, though, right? Well, yeah. I mean, you'd be t covering sins there, but like just something on that level. You well, I mean, be his sin to... is covetousness, like in just foolishness. Yeah, most likely, you'd yeah. probably say, "Well, no, I need it for gas mileage." Like, all right, <laughs> but I'll down. save but, money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, like, you have to know God's word in order to, like James telling you here, discern between right and wrong so that you can help a brother get back. You have to be able to do that. Because like Nikki said, we're all going to wander and go astray. That's guaranteed. I um, hope if I'm wandering or just on, you know, about to wander away, like I want people to warn me. I will feel like, oh, you just let me go. You must not care about me. Well, let me see the horror stories of those that wander and don't have people to bring them back. I mean, we talked about Ravi Zacharias, probably so big and so spiritual and famous. People thought, who am I to bring Ravi Zacharias oh, back? Right. Well, now Ravi Zacharias is, I don't know that he's in heaven now. Um, he died a death of de debauchery, um, you know, but somebody should have been there to be like, hey man, you, uh, you're getting a lot of massages and a lot of those girls are pretty young. Uh, what's going on there? But instead, who am I to judge Ravi Zacharias, the spiritual man? Yeah, they let him down for sure. Um, so, you know, it's, it's loving to correct somebody. Um, and to know that somebody is doing something wrong and not say anything about it. It's not just wrong, but it's cowardly, like Nikki said. Um, and I will remind you guys, if we had reminded you before, uh, cowards run the risk of being sent to hell. <laughs> and that's not a place you want to be. Revelations 21 verses six through eight says, and he said to me, it is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end to the thirsty. I will give from the spring of water, or I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have his heritage and I will be his God and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. That's a pretty awful group of people to be uh, lumped in with there for cowards. Mm -hmm. And right. I would say a coward is someone who knows his brother's doing right or wrong oh, and gosh. refuses to speak up about it. And 
I think for most people that hold to the judge not lest ye be judged, I would say largely they're cowards. But I think these people who believe in once saved, always saved, they let a brother go astray. They're like, well, he professed Christ. Even if he dies, he'll go to heaven. Or they just trust that he's still on the narrow path, even when he strays away, that he's going to heaven because he once upon a time said a prayer. And I would say also maybe another reason is we don't want to give up or be called to the carpet for our sins. So it's better if I don't tell you about your sin, then you may not tell me about my sin. Go to the person and say, you know what? I know I, I struggle in this sin. I know I, I got a plank in my eye, but I'm, I'm confessing my sin right now. I'm removing that plank right now because I see a speck in yours. And sometimes it works out that way. Like you see someone else's smaller sin and you're like, how can I go to them and tell them I got to confess this sin so I can save them? <laughs> yeah, for Yeah, sure. it can work out that way. But I'm just thinking about like pastors being the overseer of our souls. Like they need to be judging what's going on with their own flock. And what does a shepherd do with their sheep? He protects them from predators, but he also, he heals their wounds. He gets after them if they're going astray because he cares for them and he wants them to stay alive and well and close to him. So what if a sheep starts eating something poisonous? Is the shepherd going to say, I can't judge if that will kill the sheep and let it alone. And then it dies. Like the same principles spiritually, like he who is spiritual judges spiritual matters. And we also, as the body of Christ, each different parts, we make up the entire body. We need to judge one another for the health of the whole body. So when one part suffers, we all suffer. Like that's laid out in scripture really clearly. Yeah, I think all of this is, and that's what makes it so frustrating when you get this pushback. It's one thing to get it from who you would consider isn't probably saved, but to get it from people that you would consider to be you know, in the brotherhood or the sisterhood and they come attack and you're like, you've got to know better than this. So um, just to go a little further and to continue to kind of show this on how we're to live, um, you know, even the apostles corrected each other in this mm-hmm. same manner. And we'll just, um, we just want to make that point here because it's not just teacher to student, you know, it's not apostle to new convert sort of correction. Um, this sort of judgment and discernment, this correction, it can go teacher to teacher as well. Um, so Galatians uh, chapter 11 or chapter 2, verses 11 through 16, um, we can look at this sort of example that Paul kind of was leading us to in uh, 1 Corinthians 11, verses 1 or 11, verse 1 that we're to imitate. So if you want to read, this is Galatians and I'm reading. Galatians 11, two, or, 11. Sorry, 2 verses 11 through 16. Too many numbers here. <laughs> okay, it says, When Peter came to Antioch, I told him face to face that he was wrong. He used to eat with Gentile followers of the Lord until James sent some Jewish followers. Peter was afraid of the Jews and soon stopped eating with the Gentiles. He and the others hid their true feelings so well that even Barnabas was fooled. But when I saw they were not really obeying the truth that is in the good news, I corrected Peter in front of everyone and said, Peter, you are a Jew, but you live like a Gentile. So how can you force Gentiles to live like Jews? We are Jews by birth and are not sinners like Gentiles, but we know that God accepts only those who have faith in Jesus Christ. No one can please God by simply obeying the law. So we put our faith in Christ Jesus and God accepted us because of our faith. Yeah, like this is the template 
for how you should be correcting a brother or sister who's who's made a mistake. And here we have Paul and Peter, the two, you know, titans of Christian faith, right? And they're confronting mm-hmm. each other in front of others. What's crazy is like Peter walked with Jesus. Like he should have known better. He heard from Jesus. And that's just more evidence that we're all going to go astray. Yeah. Peter can wander. Gosh. We're all going to wander. So just looking at this example here, like what does Paul do? He obviously first understands God's word and how to apply it. That's how he understood that what Peter was doing was wrong. He knew God's word and how to apply it. And Peter right. wasn't doing that. Gospel. So he sees mm-hmm. Peter not living according to Christ's commandments. And then he goes directly to Peter and points out that Peter is in error. Again, because he knew right from wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and he wasn't even vague about it. He pointed out exactly why Peter was wrong. But then he instructs Peter on the proper way he's to carry himself and why that's proper and why he should do it. Um, and again, he isn't being haughty or judgmental of Peter here. Um, he's judging it on the merits of right or wrong. And then he doesn't even try to set himself up as being better than Peter because he says, we put our faith in Christ and he accepted it. Like, mm-hmm. we're the same, man. So I see what you're doing and it's wrong. I'm no better than you. We're both only here because Christ accepted us. So let's stop, you know, picking one or the other. Basically, like, this is the bottle. Know the Bible. Know how to discern right from wrong. If you see somebody doing wrong, go to them lovingly with gentleness, like Paul talked about. Point out why they're wrong. Um, You don't have to throw everything under the sun at them and call them out for everything. But this is what, hey, I see what you're doing here. This is wrong. Let me correct you. Let me tell you the right way to do thing, do or do things and do it in a way that doesn't make you think that I'm somehow better than you. No, we're both only here because Christ accepted us. Peter knew what he was saying was true. I mean, he wasn't going to argue with him. No, Peter knew it. I mean, because again, Peter was a thoughtful, godly man. And when God's word was presented to him, I imagine he went, yeah, yeah, you're right. I shouldn't have been doing that. Yeah. And it's good that he called him out in front of everyone so that everybody right there could be corrected together. So the gospel could be presented properly because I think he was causing confusion. Well, but even just for the simple sake of giving you the confidence that, hey, you guys listening, you should be doing this too. I just corrected Peter, the chief apostle, essentially. If he can be corrected and accept that correction, you know, you, you know, Joe over there in the corner, you can be corrected too. That's true. It was you know, a good so it's a good example, example. to set. So um, the last verse that I want to share here as we get ready to roll into our sermon recommendation is a common one that I think gets tossed around a lot, but I think it gets misused a lot, um, especially in the light of the whole you can't judge me sort of idea that we're talking about. And that's Proverbs 27, verse 17. You guys are familiar. It says, iron sharpens iron. And one man sharpens another. And, you know, how does iron sharpen iron? I think is a good way to think about that verse in light of not judging. You know, does iron sharpen iron just by laying in a drawer next to dull iron? No. Like, does iron sharpen iron just by the sharp piece showing itself off to the dull piece? And then the dull piece (laughs) gets envious and makes himself sharp? No. (laughs) That's not the way it works, right? Iron sharpens iron by scraping the edges or the pieces together 
um, scraping away the imperfections, scraping away the dull edge down to a fine edge. Um, so one man sharpens another man in that same way, you know, mm-hmm. pointing out the imperfections, pointing out the dull areas um, in our faith, and then sort of how to get that back in alignment with scripture. That's the way the Christian walk is supposed to work. Mm-hmm. They're not going to get sharp just by seeing you be sharp. You know what's so neat about this? It just came to me like how I was talking about, oh, I want to go help this brother, you know, in their sin. But as, and then you got a plank in your eye, like how you are sharpening yourself by sharpening them. Like whenever, I'm sure everybody can agree with this. It happens to me all the time. I'm giving somebody some spiritual advice, you know, giving them some godly counsel. And as I'm giving it to them, I'm like, I needed that. So as I'm sharpening them, I'm getting sharpened. Like That's you can't sharpen someone. the only way that someone. I sharpen people. <laughs> Whatever I know I'm struggling with, I go, hey, brother, I see you got a gambling problem there. God wants you to give up. And they're like, I don't gamble. I'm like, I do. Oh, my God. And then that just sharpens me. I guess. It's like by osmosis, I guess. I don't know. Don't ruin what I was trying Anywho, to talk about. Nikki's going biblical it a here. joke. But really, I'm like, that's what it really means. As you go to sharpen somebody, it's happening to you too. You don't go and just sharpen them and you come out of it unsharpened. It's yes, happening at the same time to both does. of you. Because I would imagine that Paul being brazen enough to go to Peter and tell him this, he didn't probably likely leave that room and then go and treat Jews and Gentiles differently because he just went, I just corrected Peter on this. Like that's the way I'm supposed to live as well. So he was sharpening himself and everyone else in the room as well. So, so think about it. Like, don't think I can't judge them. Think, well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to correct them. And in the process, it's going to benefit me too. So you're not just being self-righteous about it. It is a humility thing. As you're teaching them, you're going to get humbled. You're not going to come out of it thinking you're so great. You're going to be like, God, I feel so convicted too. No, absolutely. So do you have any final thoughts on this before we roll into our Bible topic or our sermon recommendation? No, that was my final thought. (laughs) Yeah. So I would just say you must judge. Um, You are called to judge. And if it helps you to call it discern, to call it correct, to call it help, point out whatever it helps you you to do. But you must do it. Your brother and your sister, their souls depend on you doing it. Their walk with Christ, their, their ministry to other people depends on you helping them walk that narrow road. Just the same as your walk depends on them helping you. So um, don't, be, don't be foolish. Don't be cowardly. Um, mm-hmm. Don't buy into this lie that somehow you just got to bite your tongue and let other people figure it out on their own. That's simply untrue. We need each other. Um, the Holy Spirit works in us to go and bring it up to them. Like I said before, the girl, the Holy Spirit will convict them. Yeah, but the Holy Spirit's using you to tell them. <laughs> the Holy Spirit sent me. Um, need to put some more clothes on. So yeah, that's, that's what I'll leave you guys with here. And um, for our sermon recommendation, uh, we haven't mentioned Pastor Smotherman here in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like Pastor Smotherman. So this sermon says the real but uncomfortable gospel. And, you know, I like Pastor Smotherman. We went to his church for a while there. Um, he's just, he's one of those guys. And I think what I like about him so much, because his preaching, you know, I don't have any problems with it. I like the way he preaches. But he's a man, I think, of action. He's bold. He's not just a guy who stands up there and 
gives you a, a sermon, but doesn't do anything with it. He actually lives it out. Um, and to me, that carries a lot of weight. So that's why a lot of times the people I recommend to you are people who are seemingly living their faith, um, especially he's kind of a, a culture warrior and he lives a little bit in the belly of the beast there with uh, in Albuquerque, New Mexico, a very, um, very rough place for Christians to be. So I like Pastor Smotherman. Uh, I like him as a man of God. I like his action. I think the sermon's pretty good too. Uh, so go give that a listen. Give him a like. I'm sure he'd appreciate it. Otherwise, we'll be back on Monday with our daily devotionals. Uh, we'll probably be having a Mars Hill review come out before next Saturday. Um, so if you are interested in at all in that and our thoughts on Mars Hill, come give that a listen. But that's all we got. God bless.